Welcome, everybody, to the Kona Shame Veterinarian Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Andrew Rourke. Guys, I got a great one for you today. I am here with Dr. Simon Platt. He's a veterinary neurologist. I did not know him before we sat down to record. This is my first time meeting him. His resume is amazing. And so I just start off with that. But he he has done so much, and he is so smart. And man, is he approachable and easy to talk to. And I just, I could listen to him talk for hours and hours. So anyway, I was thrilled to get to talk to him. He has this really interesting way of looking at neurology, uh, this genuine desire to bring it to general practice and to make it not intimidating to GPs and just to help keep care affordable and accessible for people. And you're like, neurology and affordable don't tend to go together. I love, I, I lo- you gotta hear what he has to say. It's, 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 it's just been really good. I, it's a great conversation. Anyway, I'm actually doing a webinar. I am hosting Dr. Platt for a webinar, December 13th. It is made possible by Nationwide. It is totally free for you guys. Um, I will put a link in the show notes to register. Um, it's got, it's got Ray C attached to it. It is a sweet deal. I am really looking forward to it after our conversation today. I've got pages of notes. I've got a bunch of questions from our conversation that I'm sitting on until we get together. So anyway, uh, that's coming up. This is a great episode. I have talked long enough. Guys, uh, this episode is made possible ad-free by Nationwide. Let's get into it. This is your show. We're glad you're here. We want to help you in your veterinary career. Welcome to the Cone of Shame with Dr. Andy Rourke. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Simon Platt. Thank you for being here. Thank you very much. It's an honor, and thanks for the invitation. Well, it is um, It is a huge honor to have you here. For those who do not know you, you are a board-certified European and American veterinary neurologist. You have published over 240 scientific papers. You have co-authored five veterinary neurology-based textbooks. You have uh, gotten a bajillion dollars in uh, different research grants. You have... Um, um, you have trained neurology residents for 22 years. Uh, this podcast is beneath you, sir. That's that's what I that's no, what I think. Still, You're... No, I'm still the poster child for imposter syndrome. So, oh, <laughs> and after listening to all of that, I wondered, it was that me. Um, that's uh, where have those years gone? It's a it's a blink of an eye, you know. But anyway, it, it is an amazing resume. I I am happy to have you here for a number of reasons. The first one is I am I'm going to be hosting you in a webinar. You and I are doing a webinar together on spectrum of care uh, neurology cases. Uh, on December the 13th, it's made possible by Nationwide, which is very lovely of them. So it's free for everybody. But I'll be hosting you. It's a one-hour webinar. It's got an hour of race CE on it. Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes for people to register for that. Um, but you and I are going to get to talk then. And I, before we did that, I, I always like to talk to people in sort of a more conversational format. And so I thought this would be a good opportunity for us to start to talk about something that I'm really interested in. And that's, that's accessibility and it, it's spectrum of care. And so what I mean when I sort of say that to sort of lay out some terms, I have concerns about keeping veterinary medicine uh, available and affordable for pet owners. And so one of the things that is really interesting to me is looking at people like yourself who have such deep expertise and specialties and saying, what does this look like at the general practice level to do right by the patients, right? And it's still, it's always that balance of advocating for patient care and for, and for 
doing what's right for for the pets and educating the pet owners and also trying to meet pet owners where they are and neurology is a particularly intimidating specialty to me when I look at it from this standpoint because it feels like very quickly we get to the multi-thousand dollar MRI machine and I also have felt I've had the feeling as a general practice doctor before looking at neuro cases of like I don't I can't cut this (laughs) I can't cut this I don't I you know I, I my my medications feel feel fairly limited it's just um I can, it can feel like there's not a lot of options when I'm looking at a neurology case. And so anyway, let me just pause there and kind of open that up to you. What is your general philosophy when you look at, when you look at neurology in an, in an access to care um, capacity? Yeah. I mean, you touched on a lot, a lot there. Um, it, I would have to ad- admit neurology is, is very intimidating. That's the first problem. Um, not just, to us as veterinarians. I mean, I remember starting out and to me, I I, I really hated neurology. We got taught by a a stand-in neurologist who was our cardiologist. She admitted she hated it. She said, I'm not really sure what I'm doing here. I'll teach you some neuroanatomy and then then we're away. And it didn't really make sense. I thought, well, everything I see seems to circle, get steroids and die. This doesn't yeah. really make sense. Um, and so I, I, I was a bit scared of it. Now, it's intimidating on every level, right? The, the clinical exam is intimidating. You know, I, I look at some of the other specialties and some of those are intimidating, but the clinical exam part, that's not dermatology to me, very intimidating, but the clinical exam doesn't seem that intimidating. Yeah. But for neurology, very intimidating. Check sheet based. You check these things. You don't really know what does that mean? Now, but I'll just check it. No one's watching and it doesn't, it doesn't really add up. Right. And so we need to get rid of that. That's the first thing. But then it goes on because as you said, um, it seems like you can't do neurology without expensive tests, invasive tests. And it seems that you can't do neurology without surgery. And, and so I've approached it from the general practice background that I had, where I was frightened of it, intimidated of it, trying to work out how on earth it, I, I could actually do it with, without some of those tests where we, you know, we, we came from a background where MRI wasn't actually being used. Um, and so, so the spectrum of care approach was something that I kind of adopted early, but didn't really know how to articulate it. Didn't really know to say, well, this is spectrum of care. It, it to me, it, it was all about individualized medicine, mm-hmm. individualized for the client and for the pet, right? So for the client, you were individualizing it based on um, their personal circumstances, um, obviously finances, their geographic location, could they get places to do to do further tests? Um, what's going on in their life? Can, are they working 16 hours a day? And uh, so we were making some decisions around that. And then we're making some individual decisions around the patient as well, because a, a patient that's two years old that has condition A would be treated very differently from a patient who's 19 years old that has mm-hmm. condition A, maybe has exactly the same signs. And so we've got to take those into uh, consideration. And that's what all of us, I think, in this profession do. And so all of a sudden, then it got it had a name of the spectrum of care. And I, I felt that that's helped because I feel, you know, right at the start, we talked about poster ch- children, um, but poster children, I think for spectrum of care, it, it, one of them is neurology because we have to be able 
to offer um, a stepwise approach in diagnostics and a stepwise approach in therapeutics. And, and the problem that, that we have many times is that other specialties, other, other areas of veterinary medicine can do this based on a lot of evidence in terms of what the disease is. And we never get there because without a biopsy of the brain or of the spinal cord, we never have the, uh, a, a precise answer. Whereas obviously if you're dealing with liver disease, you may have a, a biopsy. Um, you, you, you're gonna have other, other areas of veterinary medicine where it's a little easier, a little cheaper, a little safer to get a diagnosis for us. We're always, even spending thousands of dollars, MRI, CSF tap, you're always guessing. And so I've encouraged our students to stand up and have a mantra and say, I'm a veterinarian, I love to guess. And that's, that's not playing down evidence-based medicine, right? Because you need the evidence to piece together the facts that are given to you. Like, let me, let me see this dog with this signalment um, and these presenting signs and this neurologic exam. Piece those evidence, these, those pieces of the evidence together and, and come up with well, what could it be and how would they respond to the treatment. So the evidence is out there for those aspects of the case, but not really of what exactly does it have. Um, so, so let me jump in here because a couple a couple of things that struck me. First of all, uh, there for a moment I thought if I ever wrote about a book about neurology, I would call it "Circle Get Steroids and Die." But now I think I would change that. I think I'm a veterinarian. I love to guess is a better title for the neurology book that I would that I would write. So I, and the I love follow up would be I'm. I'm a neurologist. I love steroids. <laughs> and now some people will be tuning out and going, I can't believe he said that. But I oh. know when the lights get turned out, that's what the dogs and cats, are, that's what we're using, right? It's just about appropriate use. So circling steroids and, and maybe doesn't do so well. Um, you need to know the dose of steroids. That's the evidence I'm in there. <laughs> I love it. I, I, I always love uh, specialist secrets where they're like, I, was, I, will, I will tell you, I have 100% referred patients to, uh, to a specialist because I, and I knew they were going to give steroids, but I didn't have the guts to do it. And so I gave it to them and they took the liability and they did it. So, uh, so what, it sounds to me like what you're saying. I just want to clarify this. So first of all, I, I love the fact that you come from a place in a general practice background and this was intimidating and, and neurology was scary because I, I can resonate with that and I think a lot of other people can. It sounds to me like what you're saying is, because getting an actual, like, undisputable diagnosis is so hard, that makes it much more challenging to break neurology down into sort of a clear diagnostic step, you know, um, yeah, to a, a, a clear diagnostic path that we could walk through because we don't end up with enough evidence because we don't often get all the way to diagnosis. And so the fact that we don't come up with that diagnosis makes it harder to teach doctors, this is step one, this is step two, trust your instincts, this is step three. Is, is that what you're, is that sort of what you're getting at there? Yeah, yeah, yes, but there has to be still somehow a step one, step two, step three. And I, and I think therefore with neurology, it's going to be different. What, what, what we will use is, is the evidence behind the presenting signs, for instance, right? So um, our presenting signs could be sudden onset or slow. They could mm -hmm. be um, accompanied by pain or not. They could be 
progressive or static. And so we'll look at neurology as, as, a, as a series of presenting signs that will help us try to narrow down what the problem is, right? And so one of those other presenting signs will be, is it asymmetric or not? And so for us, if we've got asymmetry, however we see that either just on observation or on taking it further with a hands-on exam, that's a factor we'll throw into speed of onset, progression of disease, presence of mm -hmm. pain or not, because those things will help us narrow down our differential diagnosis list. And I don't know about you, but originally I, I was taught to think about neuro neurologic diseases using that mnemonic Damnit V. Um, and I didn't I know that. what that was. Um, so we shuffled the letters around and we've come up with vitamin D. Okay. And I used to teach at Georgia and no one knew what that was. And so I, I try, I shuffled that around and said vitamin D and then everyone got it. Um, <laughs> so, and, and what, what we're talking about here is, is the letters, right? Those letters of that acronym there, that, that those letters V, v for vascular will go down all of those mechanisms of disease and look at, well, what would you present like? So if you're vascular, that's a, in the brain, that would be a stroke. You are sudden onset you are asymmetric, you are non-progressive. Um, and so now I look at the dog and say, could you be that? Next thing, I for inflammatory, you are subacute to chronic, you are progressive, you're often patchy, multifocal, so you're asymmetric. Could you be that? So our step-by-step -step approach is, is, let's answer some questions. Question one is, are you really neurologic? Right. That seems like an odd question because many of the times we know straight away they're dragging their legs or um, they've got a head tilt. But sometimes you know, we're obviously presented with a case that can't jump into the car anymore or go up the steps. And so is that orthopedic or neurologic? So step one, are you neurologic? Step mm -hmm. two, where's your disease? And I don't want then people to become intimidated further by neurology and say, oh, no, this is where neuroanatomy comes in. Because really we're looking for, is your disease in the head or out of the head? That's where yep. the separation of disease types occur. Um, so, uh, so our next question then, where's the disease in the head, out of the head? And then the third question is using this clinical reasoning approach where we try to look at how you're presenting asymmetric, progressive, um, and sudden onset, for instance. Um, we're going to look at those differentials, V for vascular, I for inflammatory, T for trauma and toxin, A for anomalous. We go down the list. And so our step three is what could you be? And at that stage, we can communicate with the owner and say, here's, a, here's two, maybe three possibilities. And of those, we could maybe narrow those down with some further tests. And we'll show you how we'll do that. So we might not need to advance all the way to the most expensive and invasive mm -hmm. tests. Um, and if the owner says we haven't got any money for any of those tests, then we look at those two or three possibilities with an eye for treat for the treatable. Okay. And again, stepwise, right? Go with the least invasive, maybe the cheapest, maybe the um, most effective, potentially, medi medication. If that doesn't work, we've got a plan for step two and three. So. Yeah, diagnosis and treatment will still have that stepwise approach without really knowing what they've got. Do you find that walking through this process and you get down to, you know, is it in the head, is it out of the head? Um, and then sort of going to the owner and saying, all right, 
here, here's a bucket. And I guess that's kind of how I think of it is. I can't tell you what it is, but I can kind of tell you what bucket it's in. Yeah. Um, that allows me to start to have some realistic conversations about what treatment would involve or what uh, further diagnostics would involve. We can start talking about prices of things and what options are going to be available to them. I don't have to know what the answer is, but I have to tell them where I think this path ultimately probably goes or what that journey looks like. And then we can kind of start to talk about where where they are, what their resources are, what their intentions are, what their feelings are. Is is that kind of how you kind of look at this and, and how this sort of shakes out into, into sort of helping guide people and give them insight when you don't have a diagnosis? Yeah, you know, we'll have those two or three possibilities or buckets um, where we can say, if you have disease A, bucket one, um, let's say it's possible stroke, if we do nothing, this is what happens. If we uh, treat, what are we treating with? Um, what's the advantage and disadvantage of doing tests? Um, you know, for instance, if it's a stroke, there is no specific treatment. And although with tests such as MRI, you can gain gain more confidence, there's nothing definitive, and they'll get better many times in the next two or three days. And so we'll offer owners, well, that path takes you down, do nothing for two or three days. If they get better, you've got your answer. And then bucket B, this case will get worse if we do nothing. So again, then we've got some help there by just using time on our side as a, as a diagnostic. Um, and this is what you'll get with bucket B, let's say it's inflammatory, if we do just blood tests. This is what we'll get if we do an MRI. This is what we get if we do CSF. This is what it'll cost pros and cons of each of those things. And again, we can often help the owners feel comfortable with not going to the extent of doing all of those tests by saying, this is the difference it will make if we do the tests. Because mm -hmm. ultimately this whole thing about I'm, I'm a veterinarian, I'm a neurologist, I'd like to guess, MRI sounds like it should give you the answer, but it doesn't. It, it's not often definitive it just improves your confidence level and so many times we're still looking at it and saying really know is that is that a tumor is that inflammation and so then we're still guessing and we're still then going to treat for the treatable so an owner may say well what was the advantage of even doing that and that's a killer comment because that means yeah. we haven't communicated up front that that you might actually get no benefit of doing these tests do you you have uh, or have you had any sort of apprehension about sort of trying um, empiric therapy when you don't have those types of diagnostics? When I look at the sort of medications we reach for in our neuro cases, I think I always worry, what if I'm wrong? You know, what if I what if I put this this dog on an anti seizure medication and that's not that's not the right play? Or, or what if I reach for steroids and this is this is not the right play? I don't tend to have nearly that much apprehension in internal medicine cases or dermatology cases and I don't I don't necessarily know why but it's something scary about uh, I don't know maybe it's just those my experiences with those medicines they still kind of feel like voodoo to me um in in some ways maybe that 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 uh you know 
non-steroidals don't feel like voodoo to me or antibiotics yeah. don't feel like voodoo? I don't, does that make any sense at all? Absolutely. Because I think in the past, we've been taught to be scared of neurology because if you don't know all of your neuroanatomy inside out, then you can't do neurology. Not true. If you don't have an MRI, you can't do neurology. Not not true. And therefore, you, you feel, well, if I don't really know what the disease is, how can I come up with treatment? And the brain and the spinal cord, they shouldn't be messed with. I, if I get this wrong, they die. Well, I think that's the same with multiple diseases that there's I'm, I'd, I'd be scared of treating a, a dog with cystitis. So, I mean, you know, it depends where you come from, right? Um, right? So for me, I have no problem with empiric therapy as long as I've had a completely transparent discussion with the owner to say, this is what I think's going on, Pos two possibilities, three possibilities. This is the best thing for, for the dog right now. If we're aiming to see uh, if we can get some improvement, how far will it go? Maybe we don't know. What happens if it doesn't work? We need a plan B. What's the worst that could happen if it doesn't work? And then, then the owner has a chance to come back and say, oh, I don't like the worst option. Um, what would I do to avoid that? And we can discuss whether tests at that stage are going to help or not. Um, and, and sometimes they say, well, yeah, that's great that you say now an MRI will help, but I still don't have any money. Well, so we'll, we'll address the discomfort that comes from the fact that empiric therapy is, is an unknown by saying, well, if we do nothing, I've got more of a known for you. And that is, there's going to be progression potentially and, um, or there's going to be pain. And so we'll, the empiric will focus on quality of life. Um, and so making sure they're comfortable above all else but then then also looking at well if you have something that's treatable what could it be if i'm looking at inflammation in the brain versus a tumor in the brain i'm going to go with treating inflammation because that's likely to have a more positive effect than than anything i can do for the tumor regardless of how much money that you have and there'll be some collateral benefit for the tumor if i use anti-inflammatory steroids yeah simon before I let you go, I want to jump back and do the vitamin D with you. And so just to run through it, because it's, it's, uh, it's funny, the, um, the acronym is one that I, I heard back in vet school, and it's been so long, and you bring it back up, and, and we start to go through it. So just, just for our, our listeners to have it, vitamin D, we're talking about the origin of, of a neurologic problem. V is vascular, I is inflammatory, T is trauma or toxin, A is, anonym, is anomalous. Yeah, so anomalous being, yeah, yeah, you you've been born with something. So in the brain, that's hydrocephalus. In in the in the spine, then if you're a Frenchie, that's a vertebral malformation. Um, mm -hmm. And then we've got M um, for metabolic. So that most of the time is a brain problem rather than a spine problem. Hepatic encephalopathy is, is a good example. Um, and then we move to I for idiopathic, and that again is in, on the top 15 list of why people hate neurology because idiopathic, well, isn't that when I find nothing? So isn't that everything? Um, yeah. And so we have to get across that. Idiop yes, you're right. But idiopathic is for specific conditions. They're loner conditions where there's nothing else, right? So epilepsy, facial paralysis, vestibular. So they're just, they're loner conditions. Nothing, you'll find nothing else. Um, and then we're down to N for neoplasia. Um, and again, we'll use all of our factors, like the average age for brain and spinal neoplasia is eight. 
So we're going to throw that in. If you've got a two-year-old patient, then neoplasia is dropping lower on your list. Um, and then N also is for nutritional, which um, you know, for a while in my career fell off the map and now is right back on it because people think you should feed raw meat and bones. And so yeah. now we're seeing a lot of nutritional problems hit the brain. Um, and then lastly, D is degenerative. Um, in the spine, that is um, disc disease and degenerative myelopathy. And then in the brain, um, really we're dealing with old age degeneration, a little like al Alzheimer's, a cognitive dysfunction. So we use that list, that, uh, that sort of acronym there to um, help us remember what exists in the brain and the spinal cord. And we can just cross those off based on how you've presented. And so of that list, based on your age, um, based on was it sudden or not, based on is it asymmetric, based on is it there's pain, I could cross them off and say, I've got one thing left for you, two possibilities, and maybe one of those isn't treatable. And now we'll talk about tests as to whether they will really help or not. And sometimes we won't perform tests. If I have a, a seizure in patient, for instance, 50% um, of them are idiopathic and my my evidence-based medicine is going to tell me that if you're idiopathic, you're a purebred, your age is between six months and six years, you have no neurodeficits. So if I see a two-year-old golden retriever with no neurodeficits having had a seizure, I'm probably not going to be advising MRI. I tell people, spend your money on the medication if, if we need to start treating. If things start coming out of the woodwork in the next few weeks and things change, that may be the time to talk about being more aggressive i have about seven follow-up questions and i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna sit on them i'm gonna sit on them until Excellent. your lecture in <laughs> december i could talk to you all day i really appreciate you being here um where can people learn more do you have favorite resources and and then where can people find you online um well i'm on linkedin um and so you could find me there um we've just we've just actually um, opened, if that's what they say, I'm sure it's not a, a new website, uh, published, is it? What do you, you um, we've just launched. released, <laughs> launched, yeah. that's best. Unveiled. We'll, we'll go with, yeah, what do people say? That? Launched is good. Yeah. We'll go uh, website, um, which is under construction, but is, you can start to get a feel of it. Um, it's for neurology of all eight, for all ages, so to speak. Um, it's called uh, the, uh, web dash or hyphen. Uh, vetneurology.com right. um, and so we're going to expand that into a, a hopefully extremely useful you know, resource we've got cases on there we've got some literature on there um, right now it's not as useful as it's going to be because we've got a lot of um, nuts and bolts grassroots, grassroots information to to add to it Perfect. That sounds fantastic. I'll put links in the show notes to all of that. Uh, guys, thanks for tuning in and listening today. Simon, thank you for being here. Gang, thank take you. care of yourselves, everybody. And that's it, guys. That's our episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got uh, a lot out of it. Um, 
man, I just, I, I genuinely, I, I love this episode. Thanks to Simon for being here. Thanks for talking. I am looking to our, uh, looking forward to our webinar together in December when we'll be breaking this down in more detail and probably using some visual aids and some slides and some things like that. So anyway, I would love to see you there. I'll put a link in the show notes if you want to come to that free webinar, get some race CE, uh, hang out with me and Simon. It'll be a good time. Anyway, take care of yourselves, everybody. Have a good day. I'll talk to you later.